Let's take stock of the stock market. After a bumpy ride in 2018, U.S. markets and investors alike started to fear that the next recession was around the corner. This year, we're seeing a different story play out. Stocks have rallied. The question is, what's behind the rally and can it last? On this episode of The Bid, we'll answer these questions with Chief Equity Strategist Kate Moore. We'll talk about why Kate still likes taking risk in stocks, why we shouldn't bet against China, and how the tech sector has influenced nearly every sector of the economy. I'm your host, Oscar Polito. We hope you enjoy. Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I'm really excited to join the bid today. So, Kate, last year, I think everybody knows, was a tough year for the stock market, particularly the last couple months of the year. I think it made the holiday season tough to enjoy if you were looking at the stock market. But this year, global stocks are up 12%. The mm-hmm. S&P is up over 15%. Were stocks supposed to do this well this soon? Well, it depends on who you talk to. The fourth quarter of last year was really surprising for all of us. The fundamentals hadn't significantly deteriorated. We were actually in still a very supportive policy environment. There were some good growth data. And sure, we knew that the comparisons in 2019 were going to be a little bit tougher. The magnitude of the underperformance was really outsized. In particular, I was watching what happened to equity valuations, which dropped precipitously. And at the start of this year, we said some of that has to reverse because over the course of 2018, we saw the worst multiple contraction or derating of the equity market, the third worst over the last 30 years. Most years after that happens, you see a snapback. But in the start of this year, not only did valuations rise and enthusiasm for equities return as people realized the Fed and other central banks were going to be supportive, but actually the market kept running even while people became skeptical about the sustainability. So that was a long way of saying probably not that much. It shouldn't have run as far as it has. But it's interesting to note that we have a lot of good things happening in the equity market that I think are under-recognized. And so do you think that momentum can continue throughout the rest of the year? Or is it unrealistic to think we'll just sort of repeat this performance quarter after quarter? If we have a mid-teens quarter for four quarters in a row, I'll be retiring Truthfully, that will be a pretty good story for my personal account and actually I think for a lot of the funds here. So no, I think that's unlikely that we're going to have that magnitude of run. That said, it's possible the markets run a little further because one of the things that really drove the equity market in the first quarter was the tone from the Fed and other global central banks, namely that they are going to continue to be super accommodative, that we're not going to get big rate increases. And that really has reopened, I think, the possibility for multiples to stay at higher levels and for the earnings environment to be supported. Valuations and equities are really dependent on where interest rates are, frankly. And with interest rates staying very low, there's possibility for equity multiples to go a little bit higher from here. Not a lot, but a little bit higher. In fact, when we started the year on rates, the belief was that the Fed was going to raise rates, albeit maybe very limited type of increases. But now, as I understand it, there's a belief that maybe the Fed would cut rates by the end of the year. I'm not saying that's your view, but that seems to be the market's In interpretation. The market, yeah. We had some great debates at the November BlackRock Investment Institute Forum about what the Fed might do over the course of not just the next quarter, but of the next four to six quarters. And I'll tell you, those debates raged on until the beginning of the year when the Fed really changed its tone. 
But the market pricing of Fed expectations has been what's moved the most. I think that's kind of what you're referring to, where the market was expecting two hikes throughout the course of 2019, moved to a cut in January, bounced back up to no move, and is back down to a cut again, and perhaps two cuts over the course of the next 12 months. It's been a little schizophrenic. We think the bar for the Fed to move either way, to raise rates or to cut rates, is extremely high. And so we're expecting more of the same, no significant change in policy over the coming quarters. Last year was a great year for earnings. Mm -hmm. And some of that was helped by some fiscal stimulus in the U.S., the tax cut. But this year, it seems like earnings growth is slowing. So how does a slower growing economy, slower earnings growth translate into still more equity returns ahead. It seems like those things don't go hand in hand. Yeah. So let's go back to 2018 and also 2017 because we actually had two exceptional years of global earnings growth. 2017, I always like to highlight, it's a year where every major equity region posted higher than 10% earnings growth. That's the first time that it happened since 2006. So it was a really exceptional year. And then last year, as you pointed out, supercharged by the tax cuts and fiscal stimulus and led by the U.S., we had another really strong earnings year. Not every region growing 10% or more, but many. And this year, we know the comparisons are going to be hard. And without a significant amount of fiscal stimulus or a change in policy, we're just not going to get to those numbers. But I would be cautious in general about comparing GDP growth and earnings growth too closely. Actually, over any period of time, the relationship between those two things is very loose, sometimes non-existent. It's because companies have a lot more levers to use and to pull when they're working on their earnings. It's not just a question of how fast the economy is growing. What do they do with costs? What are their labor pressures? What is the competitive environment? What is the interest rate environment? What is the tax regime? There are many other things that go into earnings. We have to be careful about being too reliant on history because corporate balance sheets and corporate behavior is different today than it has been in the past. Excellent quality balance sheets and companies that are behaving much more conservatively than they have in previous cycles. I think that leads to a longer duration earnings cycle than we've ever seen. A slower growth environment is something we have to watch for, but doesn't always necessarily dictate the course of the earnings growth. When you think about the economy, I think about the bond market, which yeah. and we've talked about stocks, but this has actually been also a reasonably good year for the bond market, which some might interpret as not a good sign. The fact that bonds prices have gone up, interest rates have come down, that that's telling us something about the outlook, that maybe the recession is getting closer. Do you think that's what the bond market is telling us? Or is this go back to central banks are going to be patient and therefore people are putting money to work across different asset classes? So I think there are two things to say on this one. The first is both the equity market and the bond market have celebrated a much more dovish tone from central banks. It has been a rally in equities, a rally in bonds. It was one of those years where if you were just invested at all, you're feeling pretty good as we start the second quarter. I think the fact that we're going to continue to have low rates and actually supportive fiscal policy like government spending in a number of major regions is going to be good for stabilizing economic growth, albeit at a lower level. But there's a second part of this, too, which is people are skeptical about the duration of this cycle. Even though we don't have a lot of weak data points yet, at 10 years into a bull market and 10 years into an expansion, we've seen investors put a lot of money into bond funds in 2019 and take money out of equities. I would actually argue that that positioning means that equities can grind higher because they haven't been buying into the rally. 
I do worry that there's too much enthusiasm for bonds, especially just sort of based on the duration of the cycle. Right. I was going to ask you about complacency and whether you were seeing complacency from investors given the rally. But what you're saying is investors are actually taking money out of equity funds. So Yeah, there's not as much complacency as you would expect. There are some areas of complacency that we're monitoring around certain geopolitical risks where maybe the best case scenario for U.S. and China trade or European politics are getting priced into the market. But when it comes to overall equity enthusiasm, both the external fund flows data that we monitor as well as our internal analysis is all kind of showing that people have been fading this move over the last three months. And that means I think the pain trade is higher. So let's talk a little bit more specifically. As you think about regions, maybe that's a good place to start. Are there specific regions of the world that you think the stock markets are better positioned to do going forward? We are actually holding our regional recommendations steady, the ones that we had at the start of 2019, and really for actually the bulk of 2018, which is our preference for the U.S., given quality, strong fundamentals, the great geographic and global reach of a lot of companies, combined with some strong growth momentum we're seeing in the emerging world. Now, emerging market stocks did, I'm trying to think of a really polite and kind way to say this, but really badly at the end of last year. And it felt completely unjustified. Yes, there were some policy and regulatory headwinds around China, for example, but it wasn't the end of the world. And actually, we see great longer-term demand and actually even near-term demand coming out of some of these markets. The Chinese government has been stimulating The consumer giving incentives to purchase autos or white goods, which are like basically appliances, targeted uh, credit expansion, and all of that stuff should really stabilize the Chinese economy and demand. So we see a lot of opportunity for emerging market companies and for equity markets that are geared towards the Chinese story. And that's interesting because most of the China headlines are around trade and trade tensions, and that would sort of lead people to believe emerging markets are an area to avoid. But You've just touched on actually the positive headlines, which maybe don't get enough coverage, which is the Chinese economy stimulating, and that helps global growth, and that helps maybe the performance of some of these markets. Absolutely. I think it's a very poor trade to bet against Chinese political will. Policymakers from all different parts of the Chinese government are very, very committed to stabilizing and expanding growth. They're committed to the consumer, particularly in targeted policies that encourage spending, whether it's on autos or on appliances, on credit to companies and industries that they want to see grow. And they're showing a huge amount of support for the technology sector, also communications and internet companies that really are the next round of leadership for the Chinese economy. I think that's important to watch what they're doing, where they are spending their time and attention, and not just on this conflict or perceived conflict between the U.S. and China on trade. So let's talk about the technology sector, which has been a phenomenal sector to be invested in over the course of this 10-year bull market. You can't go far without hearing the terms 5G and artificial intelligence. Are there any other areas outside of those that you think are worth touching on? Or maybe you could touch on a little bit on 5G and AI themes. Yeah, so there is a sort of limitless themes, it feels like, in technology. And some of our technology investors here, BlackRock, had actually sketched out for me at one time why we didn't need to invest in any other sector, because within technology, and now as part of communications as well, you were touching on all different parts of the economy. I think that's true. You have technology companies that operate in the healthcare space, technology companies that operate on the consumer side, technology companies that are replacing traditional financial services. This is a sort of broad and cross-sectoral theme. 
And there are great opportunities to invest in the disruptors and the winners across the entire market. I think really important, and this ties back to the China theme, though, as we think about 5G and AI and some of the most innovative and perhaps disruptive parts of technology, the Chinese are leading in many parts of the world. They have great partnerships with countries outside of the U.S. We would expect, actually, that some of this trade tension, even if we have an agreement in the near term, will lead to a decoupling of the global tech sector. And actually, perhaps two separate tech protocols will be developed on a go-forward basis. If you really want to invest in technology, I think you have to own both U.S. and Chinese tech. Okay, you've made a compelling case for the technology sector, but is there any other sector that we should be thinking about? Yeah, so we still really like healthcare. Healthcare has a couple different elements to it. It has a quality side to it, where we have companies that have solid balance sheets that have the potential to continue to grow their earnings even a slower part of the cycle. It actually has a technology and innovation aspect to it as well, which is quite exciting, especially when you look industry by industry within the sector. And then you have a third element, which is a demographics element, kind of a really long cycle, where we're seeing more and more consumption of healthcare products and services and an aging developed market population that will be spending more and consuming more on the products and services in that sector. So we see a lot of reason to own it for the long term and also at this point in the cycle. Kate, you've given us a lot of really good things to think about here more tactically, but let's just take a step back for a second. When you think about investing in the stock market for the long term, what are some basic things that you think we should be keeping in mind as we approach the stock market? A few things that come to mind are that no one is so brilliant that they can time the market perfectly. Stick with high quality and growth themes in your portfolio for the long term, and don't panic too much if the news flow turns the other way. I think it's also really important to understand your own risk tolerance. I like to invest in emerging markets. I feel really comfortable owning EM for the long term. I understand that it's going to be volatile. I understand that we can see swings in policy, whether it's around trade or specific domestic policies that affect the prospects. But for me, compounding returns in emerging markets is extremely exciting. Understand your risk. I have a belly for risk, so I can do it. And then I think the third thing is to recognize that taking a diversified approach is super important because it's not just good enough to know who's winning right now, but because every sector and every industry is being disrupted, you need to kind of take a broad approach, both on a geography as well as sector basis to your equity allocation. Great advice. We usually do something here at the end of our segment where we ask some rapid-fire questions that touch a little bit on your personal life. So I hope you're ready for these. These are meant to be sort of— strapped in. I'm ready to go. (laughs) These are meant to be quick responses. But we talked about tech. What is the disruptive piece of technology that you're most excited to use in your daily life? So I'm not sure how disruptive it is, but the technology that has most changed my life are my Sonos speakers— I'm obsessed with music and being able to fine-tune my music all over my apartment and in other homes is super important. All from your mobile device, I'm sure. All from my mobile device, streaming like my Sirius and my Spotify and having all of my playlists imported. It's changed my life. I heard you're an avid skier. Where do you like to hit the slopes? I will ski anywhere, but I spend most of my time at Jackson Hole, which is my favorite place on earth. I am trying to convince the BlackRock leadership team to let me open an office in Jackson. Just a hint, hint. I will join you if that's in fact the case. And I have to admit, having gotten my three-year-old on skis this year was a big challenge. So maybe one day he'll go to Jackson Hole as well. I've also heard you love to read. What book would you recommend right now? 
So I'm really into science fiction and fantasy. I read the entire Game of Thrones series before there was even a rumor it would become a television program. That's how nerdy I am. One of the best books I read recently is called The Three-Body Problem. It is a science fiction story that was translated from the Chinese. A bunch of our colleagues in San Francisco suggested I read it. I thought it was a fascinating take on both the impact of the Cultural Revolution on decision-making, as well as some real nerdy science, outer space type of stuff. And the last question, what's your favorite place to go in New York? Central Park. I have a golden retriever, and we spend a ton of time in the park, especially during off-leash hours. I'd say before 9 a.m. on Saturdays and Sundays, with a cup of tea, throwing the ball, watching my dog run around. It's one of my favorite things to do in the city. And now we're in spring, so you hopefully have a little bit more time to be able to do that. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Kate, for joining us on The Bid. Thanks for having me. This material is for informational purposes and is prepared by BlackRock, is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast, research, or investment advice, and is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change. The information and opinions contained in this material are derived from proprietary and non-proprietary sources deemed by BlackRock to be reliable and are not guaranteed as to accuracy or completeness. This material may contain forward-looking information that is not purely historical in nature. There is no guarantee that any forecast made will come to pass. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the listener. Past performance is not indicative of current or future results. This information provided is neither tax nor legal advice, and investors should consult with their own advisors before making investment decisions. Investment involves risk, including possible loss of principal. The principal value is not guaranteed at any time, including at the target date. This material is not an offer to sell or an invitation to apply for any particular product or service. In the U.S., this material is intended for public distribution. In Latin America, this material is for educational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice nor an offer or solicitation to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any shares of any fund. No securities regulators in Latin America have confirmed the accuracy of any information contained herein. The provision of investment management and investment advisory services is a regulated activity in Mexico, thus is subject to strict rules. For more information on the investment advisory services offered by BlackRock Mexico, please refer to the Investment Services Guide, available at blackrock.com mx. Copyright 2019, BlackRock Inc. All rights reserved. BlackRock is a registered trademark of BlackRock Inc. All other trademarks are those of their respective owners.